Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. And uh, today we're going to think about, uh, as we usually do, things that we observe in our culture and how to relate to them as pastors and scholars, how to think biblically about things. And Stan, what I'd like to uh, talk today about is how um, it seems to me that there's a, a winner-takes-all mentality in the church today so that we're far right, far left, and the middle, the mushy middle, no one wants to be there. Um, and Christians more and more, at least that I know of, are saying uh, if we're sold out for God 100%, then it's absolute, it's all or nothing, and that to be in the mushy middle, uh, whatever that means, is to compromise. And uh, you've recently had some dealings with, uh, or at least some reading about what's going on in our friends to the south uh, who are dealing with this on another level, this this absolutism approach. You wanted to share with us about that? Yeah, it relates to the abortion issue, Bob, and, and the phrase that I've been seeing um, in online commentary is abortion absolutism. And it relates to the last month's uh, Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting in Nashville, uh, large attendance. They were anticipating uh, some, some pretty tense and volatile discussion about issues like critical race theory um, and some related matters. But what actually became the contentious point was a resolution passed about abortion. Now, the SBC has, has a resolutions committee, and, and a group of people had, had sent in this proposed resolution, which the, uh, the resolutions committee rejected. But using some available mechanism, the proponents got it onto the agenda for discussion, and it actually passed by, well, a majority. I, it was in the 50-some percent majority, I think. But basically, mm-hmm. the abortion uh, resolution said, we must press for total rejection of all abortion in, in society. We should make it illegal, period. Uh, we should criminalize uh, the act of securing an abortion, not only for the physician who does it, but for the woman who requests it. And and we should give up on these halfway incremental measures, which the pro-life movement has been very much about. And after the fact, after it passed, the grassroots passed this, a large number of mm-hmm. Southern Baptist scholars went on record publicly saying, the, the resolution was a mistake, that in fact it, it denigrates the positive work being done in the pro-life movement to move toward, let's say, uh, in the USA at least, some new state laws that would criminalize abortion after a certain point in the pregnancy. And, and, and what they're arguing is politics is the art of the possible, legislation is the art of the possible, and and we ought to recognize that we may have to take steps in the right direction, and it can't be an all-or-nothing mentality. You can understand how that would appeal to people who are committed to what the Scripture says about the sanctity of life, and there are there is a sense in which there's no halfway measure, but we live in this world, and the way I read Jesus is he says, you're going to have to navigate 
a, a world that is evil. You're going to have to find a way to be salt and light. You're not going to necessarily transform the world, but coexist, wheat and the tares, and to find ways to um, permeate society. And I think that there's something in us that wants to take that all or nothing mentality because right is right and wrong is wrong. But when you're in the middle, there's a sense in which you're compromising. You shouldn't be there. You're either all out for Jesus or nothing. Yeah, sometimes people, uh, <coughs> well, some people basically say compromise is simply always a bad word. It may not mm-hmm. be a four-letter word, but it's a bad word, mm-hmm. and, and it's never right. Others, like me, would say, well, wait a minute. Compromise, as a term, covers a number of different things. Right. And, and yes, there are clearly points on which we must not compromise. But when we're talking especially about the legal and political realm, I think that's a very different issue. Yeah. Now, I'm, I mean, I'm sympathetic because I, I understand. Um, I, th- I think we can argue rightly that abortion is wrong whether you do it four weeks into the pregnancy or four months into the pregnancy. There, there's no bright line that you cross in which this mm-hmm. child in the womb suddenly becomes a different category. I understand all that. And so I understand the frustration that says, look, even if we have laws that prohibit abortion after viability or prohibit abortion after 10 weeks, 15 weeks, that's not going to eliminate a large number, a high proportion of the abortions being done. And, and I understand that's true. But you have to ask, in our context, is, is it even possible to go for more than that? And, and if, we, if we do get laws in place that recognize that abortion is a legitimate legal concern, then, then it creates the possibility of strengthening the laws over time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm aware we had a, a conference here a little while ago dealing with uh, Christian culture, and the, s- the speaker was encouraging Christians not to retreat from these issues, but to move into them for good. And I know c- some Christians who are members of the Liberal Party here in Canada, and even... I know a person who's running for an office, a position in the NDP, solid Christians. Yes. But they're running with a crowd, and people say, how can you be a Christian and have anything to do with the NDP, whose policies are problematic to most Bible-thinking Christians? But they're there with the idea that uh, this is a platform. Uh, they can move the needle a little bit. Uh, Garnet Bloomfield, for years, was a member of the Liberal Party uh, in London, solid. In fact, he, you would—he's he was a fundamentalist, right-wing Christian. Christian. Yes. Yet he ran with the Liberal Party and uh, found a way to earn the respect of his colleagues and to influence legislation for the good. He didn't transform the country, but he was uh, a Daniel, a bright light in that movement. And there were some people who would say. You, you shouldn't have anything to do with liberals, worse in the NDP. But our speaker at this conference was saying, no, you need to be in there for good. Well, yes, and, and <coughs> if, a, I mean, if an evangelical Christian is going to be involved in politics in Canada today, 
that person will have to be involved in a pretty big tent party. I mean, you mentioned the Liberals and the NDP. The cur- the Conservative Party yeah. of Canada right now exactly is is frankly not a happy home mm-hmm. for most of the people in our tribe either. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly with Aaron O'Toole as the leader. Now, well, I was personally hopeful that Leslie and Lewis would have become the leader. That would have been yeah. I, I, an amazing con- situation. You would have had a, a federal party leader, a black immigrant woman lawyer in, um, involved in uh, international uh, justice. Was issues. she a single mother, too, to boot? I'm not. Uh, I think so. So she's uh, checking actually. off all the boxes. And. And yet, and yet, I, I think I think politically wise, uh, yeah. candidly staked out her position mm-hmm. on abortion, which was incremental. Yeah, was saying we won't fund any international abortions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will, um, we will make illegal sex selective abortions. In other words, starting the needle moving. Now, for for Christians who say, look, it's just compromise, and and that's wrong. I point them back to Mosaic Law, where, mm-hmm. to take the example that comes up clearly in Jesus' teaching, when he's confronted about the divorce issue, and and the Pharisees bring up Mosaic allowance for it, he says, God allowed it because of the hardness of yeah. your hearts, but that's not God's ideal from the beginning. But But he was saying, even God... In the, in the way that he put mo- the law in place through Moses, <laughs> dealt realistically mm-hmm. with the people being governed. Mm-hmm. He didn't impose the moral ideal mm-hmm. about, about divorce <coughs> or, or other points, for yeah. that matter. For, frankly, not even monogamy. I mean, polygamy is recognized within Mosaic law. There, there is uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, you have legislation mm-hmm about a, a bigamous situation. Man has two wives, right. loves one, not the other. His actual firstborn son yeah. is the son of the wife he doesn't actually love. So, But you have a law in place that says the firstborn's share of the inheritance has to go to his actual firstborn son. So it doesn't, it, it accepts some things as reality that are not good. Mm-hmm. If God did that with the covenant people, surely we have the right, the right. In fact, the exactly. need to do that in our society. You remember more than I do in Canada how um, we haven't always been without a law governing abortion like right. we do right now. Changed in 1988. Yeah, we had a shot at some legislation, but you remember how there was this absolutist approach. It's an all or nothing, and now we've got nothing. The law passed actually, in in 1989. uh, The Mulroney government was in place. The law passed, went to the Senate, and it died in May 1990 on a tie vote in the Senate. And and the government had other priorities, so they didn't go back to the drawing board. But it was really brought, I think it was defeated, because you had absolutists on both sides of the debate who weren't willing to accept what was, in fact, a compromise law, but it would have made abortion a legal issue in Canada. But I think, thanks to ab- absolutists, we have no abortion law. We join 
who Cuba and Vietnam maybe as the only nations in <laughs> in the world that have no yeah. abortion law. And now there's no appetite to to return to that. I, oh, I you don't can't know bring any, it up. Yeah. No, no. You, Even Stephen Harper, who had his own personal view on abortion, he says, I'm not going to touch that. Right, right. Uh, I mean, there's just no way to get it on the docket for discussion. You won't get elected. Today. No, no. Yeah, there's no way. So... I, I think we, we need to learn some some lessons and recognize mm-hmm. we have to make the best of it where God has put us in his providence. And, and that may mean recognizing that sometimes compromise is not an evil word. Okay, can you think of, I mean, this is a principle that has application in all of our culture. Can you think of another case other than abortion where this um, principle needs to be applied? I'm catching you off guard, I know. Well, certainly, certainly the divorce law. I mean, yeah. I remember discussion. In fact, I met Garnet Bloomfield, whom you mentioned earlier, back in the mid-1980s when the divorce law was being changed to, to allow for no-fault no fault, divorce yeah. after only one year wait. And, and I remember at the time, those of us who were talking about it, I was at a, at a meeting at the Fellowship Baptist office then in Toronto, with representatives from uh, the Pentecostal Assemblies, Fellowship Baptists, Christian Missionary Alliance, I think, and f- and even the, uh, the the president of the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. In fact, the oh. Catholic bishop said grace when we had lunch in the Fellowship Baptist I didn't office. know that. I think that's that, that probably was, a secret. That was a fa- <laughs> <laughs> we kept the secret. It was a fascinating day. But as we were talking about it, we realized, okay, it's easy to attack— an easier divorce law, but we have to ask, what would be a rational divorce law? And even on that one, is no-fault divorce a good thing? Well, not really. It makes divorce easier, but if you don't have no-fault divorce, then it forces you to prove fault, which leads into all kinds of of not only legal fees, but very nasty uh, family experience. So we have to ask, how, how do we move the needle in the right direction? What's the best that we can achieve? Right, at the very least, when uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ move into those arenas, support them. I mean, we may not be comfortable in those contexts, but to vilify them, to call them compromisers, they need a, a special prayer coverage, as far as I'm concerned. They do. That's where God would have them. Well, Stan, we're out of time on this subject. Um I'm very grateful, as you are, to know that uh, we've reached a milestone in our podcast, 4,500 downloads. I think that's apparently something that has been brought to our attention. So we're grateful grateful. for people who listen. And as always, we're, we're very happy to receive questions for our podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Stan Fowler. I'm Bob McGregor. You keep on thinking. (laughs) 